Good morning. Good morning. That's their job. <laughs> uh, you know, so I was reminded uh, earlier this week that uh, we are in the ministry of remembrance, if you will. There's no need to recreate the wheel or try to get, you know, all innovative schemes and methods, methodology to try to lure people in to the church or water down the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ in order to appease people because some people think it's not so palatable, it's not so easy to digest. And uh, <clears throat> being that this is a ministry of remembrance, I don't know where everyone's at this morning, but I take it that we're all going through something. We're all going through something to where our own intuition, our own skill, our own understanding of things is not cutting it. Meaning the circumstances of life are greater and bigger then whatever you, you by yourself, me by myself can bring to the table. But as Michelle just said, we serve the great God, the everlasting God, El Shaddai, Lord God Almighty. Amen. And he has a remedy for every circumstance that you and I may be going through. I wanted to share this real quick before we get, we get in the message, because I think it's appropriate for our day and age. And maybe it's appropriate for you today. The church in Sardis, and when we were in uh, early on in the book of Revelation in chapter three, you know, that was a severe rebuke that Jesus, Jesus gave that church because he basically said, you have the appearance of being alive. You look like you're living, like you're well, like you're, you're, you're vibrant, but you're dead. That's so stinging. That's such a harsh reality to have to stomach. We're going along. We're thinking everything is good. We, we look good. We have everything in, there, in its rightful place. And then Jesus comes along and says, you're actually dead. <laughs> you're actually dead and you're not alive, which reveals to me that we can corrode. <laughs> we have to ask ourselves this question. Where you're at today in your walk with the Lord, are you loving more? Or are you loving less? Because if the answer is the latter and you and I are loving less, that means we're closer to being dead than being alive. And I'm talking spiritually speaking. If we're loving more, if we can actually say, you know, I'm clearly not perfect. Clearly I, you know, have issues and make mistakes. And I'm sure my patience, I know for a fact my patience can grow. It's a testament of my kids. They, make, they drive me nuts. But if we can actually say we're growing in our love today, then that means we are alive in Christ. The encouragement comes in verse 3, in chapter 3 of Revelation. You don't have to turn there. It's not going to be on the screen. Uh, trust that I'm going to tell you the truth. It says in verse 3, this is after Jesus gives the rebuke. He says, remember then what you received and heard. Keep it and repent. He goes on to say, if you won't wake up, he's going to come and he's going to basically take your lampstand away. Now, I'm not applying that to a church per se. I'm, I'm applying that this morning to, to individuals that make up the church. He said, remember what you heard and trust in that. Now, we talked last week briefly about 
Where do we get the revelation of God? Where do we hear from God clearly? Because a lot of people have a lot of mechanisms nowadays and they want an experience. They want, they want this grandiose, uh, you know, uh, uh, revealing of God to them. Oh, I had a vision. I had a dream. I'm not saying that those things can't be real. But what is the primary way that God speaks to the world today? Anybody give an answer? Yeah, there you go. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. If I, if I had money to give it away, I would give it to you, sir. He held up the infallible word of God, the closed canon of scripture, the ultimate authority that does not lose anything of itself, even though time has gone on. We've got all of these kind of self-help books and all these other things going on in the bookstore nowadays, but it is the Word of God. It is the Scripture, how God reveals Himself. And it's very interesting, as I stumbled across that text this morning, that there was hope for this church that was dead. He said, you need to go back to where you heard from me first. Not from an experience, not from some emotional jolt. Where did you get the revelation of who God really was? And how did you really start growing and maturing in the Lord? And it's going back to the word, going back to the closed canon of scripture. So I don't know where you're at today, but I pray that that encourages you. That's where we go for everything, for every problem, for every victory. We go to the scripture. We go to the Lord in prayer, in studying the word. And it's in that precious time of spending time with him in the word is where we get the revelation we need for whatever circumstance we're in. And we will get a word for us to get us through that day at that moment. Amen. Amen. All right. Um, Just felt led to share that this morning. Well, we'll be you're very welcome. We will be finishing off uh, chapter 18, the book of Revelation this morning. It's only several verses, but uh, if you if you're if you know anything about me, uh, it's not just going to be three, three verses. There's much to there's much to get out of this text this morning. Uh, but with that, we are in Revelation chapter 18. We'll be looking at verses 21 down through 24. And uh, this message is entitled The Fall of Babylon, part three. When you get there, if you can, stand for the reading of God's word. We'll go ahead and read our text this morning and then get into the meat of the message. So it says, Then a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and threw it into the sea, saying, So will Babylon, the great city, be thrown down with violence and will be found no more. And the sound of harpists and musicians of flute players and trumpeteers will be heard in you no more. And a craftsman of any craft will be found in you no more. And the sound of the mill will be heard in you no more. Verse 23, and the light of a lamp will shine in you no more. And the voice of the bridegroom and the bride will be heard in you no more. For your merchants, where the great ones were the great ones of the earth, and all the nations were deceived by your sorcery. Verse 24, And in her was found the blood of the prophets and of saints and of all who have been slain on earth. Let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, 
Abba, Daddy, thank you that we can approach you in that way. It's a it's an intimate connection. Lord, thank you that you allow us to to approach you and call you by that title. It shows the intimacy that you desire to have with us. And Lord, we just thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, he gave his life willingly, sacrificed his life, laid it down and took it back up. The perfect sacrifice, the propitiation for us so that we can be reconciled, Lord, so we could be redeemed, so that bridge could be made, so now we can have right relationship with you. Lord God, as we dive into your word this morning, I pray that you would illuminate our hearts and our minds, give us this true understanding of what your text means in its right context. May you show how it's applicable to our lives this morning. As has been said in, in, in previous verses in this chapter, that we, as your people, would come out from this world system, Lord, that we would make a clear distinction between us and the world. Lord, may we be marked for your good to bring honor and glory to your name. And I pray that we would all leave here empowered with your truth and embroidered with your love and your wisdom, that we would be great blessings to those around us. Father, I thank you and I praise you for what you do. May your holy word speak now. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Once again, uh, we look to wrap up chapter 18 this morning. Uh, this chapter has outlined the judgment and the destruction of this Babylonian one world governmental economic religious system. That's what we talk about when we talk about of the world or the world, right? And the church is supposed to be separate from this, uh, you know, governmental, economic, religious system because that system is corrupt and it's crooked. And we see it in our day and age today. We see what goes on in that system. It's not a good thing. But this is the law that the land is governed by. The prince of the air who is Satan. He has his, his tentacles wrapped, intertwined in all of these sectors of life. And this is what makes up this Babylonian system, as what Scripture says. Last week, we learned that those who have made a profit from this godless system will eventually be left mourning the fall of this Babylonian system. They're going to mourn. They're going to cringe and be catastrophically uh, hurt by the fact that they no longer can benefit from this system. And the problem, the biggest problem of this was that their mourning and their lamenting was over material things, about the substance of this life, tangible things, what they could obtain for themselves. It wasn't over the fact that they are wretched sinners in desperate need of repentance. The fact that they have shunned the true and living God, that they have shunned Jesus Christ over and over and over again. They did not lament over that. They didn't mourn over that. They were mourning over the wrong things. They were never convicted of their personal sin before a holy and true and just and righteous God. This is the fate of all who decide in their hearts to reject the one and only God. The only way to salvation which is through Jesus Christ. We understand that we are purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. But for these individuals that mourn the loss of this Babylonian system, they either have heard the truth of the gospel and flat out reject it, 
or they, for whatever reason, from the jump, just shun it, and they act as if they do not understand. We ended up with an encouraging word of how all heaven will rejoice over the judgment of Babylon. And this is a good thing because all you have to do is just look in the history books. And all throughout human history, you can see that sin, the effects of sin, because of the fall of, of Adam and Eve, that, that sin has marred our existence. Our, our human history is tainted with the sin of men and women who have chosen to reject Jesus Christ and go their own way. Misfortune. Pain, slander, lying, violence of every kind, and disobedience have plagued this world. But when the Lord God Almighty's final judgment will be rendered, all who have refused correction from Him will be held accountable for their actions. Jesus told, tells us in Matthew chapter 12, verse 36 down through 37, He says, I tell you on the day of judgment... People will give an account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Man, that's pretty heavy. <laughs> that's like, we, we got to filter what goes on in our brains and make sure we're not just saying every little thing, every little jot and tittle that comes into our minds. Because Jesus says clearly... We'll have to give an account for every careless word that we have spoken. And this is very applicable to our day. And this is applicable to our context this morning. And this is where uh, this is what leads us to this final part in our series this morning. We have several main points. And the first one is this. The days of living for self will eventually come to an end. Babylon will forever be forgotten. And we, we, I think we can agree, I pray we can agree that that's, that's what's at the heart of this Babylonian system, this, this, this self-absorption, living a life, putting yourself above even God. And that's what we see here in this, in, in, in this, this picture of this one world system. You see, there is a strong sense of, of finality in this portion of Scripture. The example of a millstone being thrown into the sea is compared to the kind of destruction the Babylonian world system will face. Just a little bit of background about millstones. In, the New, in New Testament times, a typical millstone, usually made of base salt, was about a foot and a half in diameter and about four inches thick. Two millstones, one above the other, were used to grind grain. We kind of understand that concept, right? These, these, heavy, uh, these heavy stones would grind the grain. Some were even larger, requiring animals and some kind of mechanism to operate these, these, these millstones. Even a small millstone could weigh more than 100 pounds. A very large millstone could easily weigh thousands of pounds. And here we have in our text this morning, after picking up this large millstone, this mighty angel of heaven threw it into the sea. And he cries out loudly that Babylon will be thrown down, not gentle like a baby in a bassinet, but violently, aggressively, and vanish from the face of the earth. Remember, just a few verses earlier, 
the demise of Babylon was said to have happened in a single hour. That's Revelation chapter 18, verse 10. This description supports the full meaning of that phrase. Babylon's ruin is sudden, it's dramatic, and it's unavoidable. This is going to happen, and when it happens, it's going to happen in an instant. Like dropping a boulder into the ocean, it happens with violence, and it is over as quickly as it starts. Very quick. It's just, it's done. And this is what is going to happen. This is exactly what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah when God destroyed those wicked cities with sulfur and fire. Genesis chapter 19, verse 24 and 25. And it says, Then the Lord rained on Sodom and Gomorrah sulfur and fire from the Lord out of heaven, and he overthrew those cities and the valley and all the inhabitants of the cities and what grew on the ground. This rapid total ruin happens at the end of the tribulation when God overthrows Babylon. This once proud, powerful capital of Satan's empire will become an ash heap and disappear from the face of the earth. Praise God. Babylon has opposed willfully opposed God and his people. It has practiced all kinds of evil throughout the ages, throughout time. This is what Babylon is synonymous for. Its ruler, the beast, assumed to try to take the role of God and demand worship, but the true and living God will put an end to all that with one powerful stroke. I like to say with like, you know, you have an iPhone or whatever, with one Swipe of the finger, <laughs> closing tabs. It's going to be real quick. It's going to be light work for the Lord God Almighty, but he will put an end to Satan's reign on this earth. The second main point is this. Every industry will be exposed for its true motive, and that motive is satanic worship. Satanic worship. If you notice in these four verses, the phrase, in you no more, is mentioned, depending on your translation, it's mentioned six or seven times. In you no more. Be found in you no more. In you no more. Over and over again in these four verses we see this phrase. You see, the world system of Babylon is known for enticing people with pleasures. And when we live not by faith, and if we walk purely by sight, we will be hook, line, and sinker for these enticements that Babylon or Satan tries to lure us in with. Whether those be luxuries or comforts, entertainment, all of these enticements are meant to lull the receiving person to sleep spiritually. You see, what Satan wants from everyone is for them to not think, or to not think biblically, to not think correctly, to be lulled asleep by the desires of their hearts, to be enticed by the things of this world that they can tangibly taste, touch, and see. To be lulled asleep so bad that they individuals become spiritually dull, so spiritually dull that they are unaware of the deception that has taken place. This is the enemy's schemes. And then that dullness spiritually would render an individual incapable of returning back to God. That's what Satan wants. Now, I understand that it is a supernatural act of the Holy Spirit within an individual to, to, for a, a person to receive Jesus Christ uh, 
entirely. I, I totally understand that. And I, I don't want to mince words here. But we have to also understand that it, 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 takes, our, it takes on our part the, the willingness for us to receive the correction and the reproof and the rebuke from God. If we are unwilling to receive that correction and that reproof and that rebuke, we, we in a sense, render the Holy Spirit, uh, not, 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 to, not to say that he's incapable, but we are created with a free will. And God is not going to force any of us to submit. All he can do is bring about these things to us, and we have to say, oh, I agree. Oh, I concur. Yes, I'm wretched. Yes, I'm a sinner. Yes, I need forgiveness. Yes, I'm, I, I, want the, I, I, I want the promise of being, being inclusive in your family so that I can be raised up and exalted at the right time, that my life can count for something, that I can live a righteous life and be used to bring honor and glory to your name. There has to be something on our part that says, yes, I, I come into agreement with you, Holy Spirit. I come into agreement with you, Jesus Christ, for what you did to me. And this is what Satan wants to do. He wants to render us, lull us to sleep spiritually so bad that we are incapable of even wanting or desiring that. And if you look around you today and you look at the world, there's many people who just don't care much for spiritual things at all. We have a whole generation being raised up right now. All they care about is what they can get right now. Even in all of these social justice movements, it's all about change now. It's all about now, 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 immediate gratification. They have no, they have no depth of vision to see past the immediate. And in order to be, become spiritually wise, we have to have a long-term vision, saints, amen? We have to be able to be long-term minded in our view of what's going on. Because Unfortunately, if we don't go that route, then we will fall uh, into deception like, uh, like Esau did. <laughs> he was so just consumed and concerned with just eating right now that he sold his birthright for a bowl of lentils. We all know how that story, that story uh, pans out. Satan uses three forms of deception. He uses vanity. He uses flattery. And he uses flat-out blasphemy. In all of these industries mentioned in our text this morning, they are all industries that embody either vanity, flattery, blasphemy, or all three simultaneously. The music industry in Hollywood is all about vanity, flattery, and blasphemy. Craftsmen of any craft, and that's a wide range of industries, Many times, are, they are led by ill-advised motives that lead these people in these different industries or trades. And these ill-advised motives lead people down a very wicked, treacherous road trying to climb to the top for success. But at the heart of that climb is a self-righteous spirit. That is in direct opposition to the Holy Spirit. But we see this. We see this in every area, every walk of life. The, the whole point is this. We are either going to give all glory to God for everything accomplished through us in our lives, or we will receive the honor and glory for ourselves. That's the difference. I, I'm, all, I'm a sports guy, so I always think in terms like that when I give quick analogies. Um, that's the difference between 
somebody who's whatever, they do something good on the basketball court or on the baseball or on the football field and they point up. <laughs> they do one of these numbers, right? I mean, that, for us to understand that in America, sports culture, that's pretty much an acknowledgement. I don't know if they're saved or not, but they're acknowledging that, you know, it's not in and of themselves that they did whatever was great on the baseball field, the basketball court or the football field or the hockey rink. But it's coming from there as opposed to some athletes in those same sports that are like <laughs> all in the camera, spitting, yelling, <laughs> you know, but they're all pointing to themselves. There's a big difference, right? It, it, it's, it's, it's a humble, it's a humble spirit that says, I'm acknowledging that these great things are being done through you, Lord God Almighty, or it's the self-righteous spirit that's saying, I did it. I did it. Yes, clap, all you thousands in attendance. Clap for me <laughs> because I've accomplished this. So we see this, 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 this different range in our world today ever present. It doesn't matter what we are involved in. Clearly, those invested in the pleasures of Babylon care nothing to give honor and glory to God. But in the end they will all be held accountable. And we as believers will be held accountable. But we have a different judgment that we get to attend and prepare for, not for what we've chosen as far as who we follow in this life. The third main point is this. Ultimately, the reason for Babylon's judgment is that she has killed God's servants. In the end times, Babylon will have no tolerance for God's people. The beast and his followers hate God's people so much that they will kill them and leave their bodies stained on the streets. Revelation chapter 11 verses 7 and 8 tells us, And when they have finished their testimony, the beast that rises from the bottomless pit will make war on them and conquer them and kill them. And their dead bodies will lie in the street of the great city that symbolically is called Sodom and Egypt, where their Lord was crucified. You see, the evil system, this unclean system, this world system that dominates our society even today is led by the beast. John describes the vision as martyring believers or martyred believers are found all over the place. You see, Babylon's goal will be to get rid of, will rid the earth of anyone who follows Jesus Christ and refuses to bow down to worship the beast. Even today, in countries that oppose Christianity, followers of Jesus are laying down their lives for the sake of the gospel. We're, we're, not, we're, we're not unaware of this. This is happening even as we speak. It's been happening for a very long time. But you see, Jesus never promises us as followers of him a tame, still free life. Rather, he predicted that true believers would often suffer persecution. John chapter 15 verse 19 tells us, he said, if you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. You see, and there, there's, there's some that they're not persecuted. Um, they come against no opposition. Well, Satan doesn't care about a dead church because a dead church, they pose no threat. But if you're living for Christ, if you're an individual who's given over their lives to Jesus, you're going to come across all kind of opposition in many forms, 
many ways, sometimes psychological, sometimes emotional, sometimes physical, all of them spiritual, but you're going to face opposition in many forms because you are living in obedient life to Jesus Christ. John chapter 16, verse 33 says, I have said these things to you that in me, speaking of Jesus Christ, you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So we see, you know, he's, he's tipping us off to understand you're going to go through things. I know we're all going through things today. There's not one person in this room that can say, oh yeah, I'm not going through nothing. You know, we all have the cliche-ish, I'm good. I get it. But underneath that, I'm good. You probably are good in the sense that, yeah, I'm good. I'm, I'm stable. My, my faith and my trust is in the Lord. But I'm going through stuff. I'm going through things that, you know, it's difficult. And I got to cry out to the Lord. And I got to ask him to, to help me and to be my strength and to be my portion to get me through. Because it's not easy. These are the effects of sin. This is what sin does. This is what sin breeds brokenness and so we have to trust in the lord because he is our only hope he is the only one that can sustain us and get us through in with flying colors even though the circumstances let's just say it, they just suck sometimes the circumstances in life just suck and it's hard i can't explain why the lord allows these things to happen but I know that he's looking to receive honor and glory even through it. And he's looking for his children to cry out to him and cling to him and ask for them to ask him to move them through it. And for us to ask to have his yoke placed upon us because we can't bear the burdens that are so hard and heavy. As, we, as, as Paul said, I'm hard pressed on every side. But, but he said, he, he said I, I'm not giving up. My hope is in Christ. My hope is in the Lord. I put my trust in him. And that's where we need to find ourselves this morning. Amen. Amen. Jesus said, even though in this life you will have much tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Back to our context. It is because of these unjust murders of the saints of old and even the saints of current times that judgment will fall upon all those who willfully embrace Babylon. I'm not talking about somebody who's there on the fence. If there's breath in their lungs, there's still hope. We just read earlier in Revelation chapter 3, all you got to do is get back to the word. Turn back and there's hope for you. You can go from death to life. But I'm talking about those who willfully reject Jesus Christ and, 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 and wholeheartedly embrace this satanic system. For them, man, the judgment is impending. It's coming. The lack of desire to mourn over their own sin and repent to serve the one and true God will seal their own fate forever. And all I could say to any person who's under the influence of a satanic spirit that heavy is, God have mercy on them. May, they, may, may God break their hearts so that they may return back in time before it is too late. All right, let's look at these verses now. We'll look at verse 21, and it says, Then a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and threw it into the sea, saying, So will Babylon, the great city, be thrown down with violence and will be found no more. All right, we see that clearly this is something that is going to happen. This angel is going to grab this great millstone and throw it into the sea. Again, seven times, several times we see this phrase, not be found anymore occur in Revelation with minor differences. 
Again, this indicates the finality of the defeat of Babylonianism. It's going to be done. It's going to be annihilated. This is not a passive kind of judgment. You see, sometimes, because it's difficult, I mean, think about it. We'll go back to uh, the church in Revelation. When Jesus said, you're dead. You know, that's, let's take it to, our, to context to us today. If someone was to point out to us, or if we were bold enough to tell someone, my prayer life is dead right now. That is, that is, that's uncomfortable, right? We don't like that. We don't like to, we don't like to admit this area of my life is dead. We want to use nice, soft, cuddly words that don't, that don't get raw like that. But you know, there's no growth in that. There's no, there's no way we can get out of that, that bind if we're unwilling to be honest and be like, nah, this is what's really going down. This is where I'm, this is where I'm really at. Like I'm, I need to be revived. Like my, it's not the way it's supposed to be. We can tend to be very passive when it comes to judging ourselves and our sin. We can tend to make excuses for our sin and try to casually sweep it under the rug. But instead, we need to understand that a little leaven leavens the whole lump. This is the mentality of this angel of the Lord who executes a violent breaking of this Babylonian world system because of its continued rebellion against God. He wasn't, he wasn't all nonchalant about it. It was something very direct and very true. I heard a message this morning and uh, it was great. The pastor said, you know, I've picked up on when someone will say to you, I'm going to share this with you, but I'm going to share it in love. And he said, you know, the interesting thing about that is he said, you know what's coming when someone says something like that to you. Well, what's going to happen? They're about to ram you. <laughs> They're about to break you down. He said, because the reality is if it was really brought in love, they wouldn't even have to say it. It, you'd feel it. You would sense the love permeating from them and their concern for you with whatever they're sharing with you. He said, and then they go on to say, well, and I also have to, I have to tell it to you in truth. <laughs> so it's like we have to understand the difference between the two and we have to have the discernment to know, okay, this is, this is, where, this is what's going on and this is where I need to be. I need to be honest with myself <laughs> so that I don't need to go through those circumstances where people are going to come around telling me stuff. I'm going to just get right with the Lord. As we see with this angel being clear cut, this is a judgment that's falling upon Babylon because of their refusal to receive Jesus Christ as Messiah. This is just like the prophetic words spoken of ancient Babylon uh, falling from their, their high place when they once had uh, reign. Uh, over uh, the nations. Jeremiah chapter 51, verses 61 down through 64, and it says, And Jeremiah said to uh, Sariah, When you come to Babylon, see that you read all these words and say, O Lord, you have said concerning this place that you will cut it off so that nothing shall dwell in it, neither man nor beast, and it shall be desolate forever. When you finish reading this book, tie a stone to it and cast it into the midst of the Euphrates and say, thus shall Babylon sink to rise no more because of the disaster that I am bringing upon her and they shall become exhausted. Thus far are the words of Jeremiah. 
And that's a clear indication of this millstone basically symbolizing the destruction of the actual ancient city of Babylon uh, back then in, in ancient times. But it also is a reminder of us of what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 18, verse 6. And he said, but whoever causes one of these little ones to believe in me, uh, who, who believes in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and to be thrown into the depth of the sea. And that's a great indication and a reminder of our influence, right? Our influence. We all are, we all are flavoring someone for life or for death. And so we need to make sure that our influence is of the Holy Spirit and what we're doing what we're saying, what we're living out before men, women, children, people is something that is of above reproach, that is of righteousness, that is of God and not the other way. Because there's another clear indication that Jesus said it would be better if a millstone was tied around that individual's neck and for them to be thrown into the sea for, than for them to lead someone astray who is trying to honor me and serve me. This applies to Babylon and especially, well, it's speaking in context of little ones, of children. So it shows the great responsibility of parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, you know, teachers, community and people in the community. It's a great offense to God to abuse young children. And uh, I don't want to even get into that uh, because there's, there's a gambit of stuff going on with that. In my own personal experiences, we're trying to take my son to the bathroom at uh, Foster Freeze last weekend, last Sunday. But that's for another place, another time. Uh, but this applies in our context right now to Babylon uh, in Revelation chapter 18 because she led others into sin. She led others astray through all of her wickedness, through the wickedness of this world system, leading droves of people astray. And the application is this. It is a horrible thing to perpetuate sin in your own life. But it's even more horrible to lead others into sin as well. I mean, just think of Adolf Hitler, uh, Jim Jones, David Koresh, just to name a few, but people who have led countless others down a road that was wayward. That's such a horrible thing. That is, a, that, is, that is something you don't want on your uh, shoulders. You don't want on your conscience. The great city, uh, the next statement, it says, This great city Babylon shall be thrown down and shall be found no more. No matter what skeptics of the Bible or critics of Jesus Christ believe one day this world system will pass away like a great stone falls to the bottom of the sea. The appropriate question to ask is this, because, you know, we can get in debates about, oh, is the Bible valid? Is the, the Bible, you know, is it legit? Is Jesus real? And, and that's, you know, I mean, that's upon you how you deal with those topics and those debates that come up. But the appropriate question to ask is this. Will this fall of Babylon hurt you? If all was taken away from you monetarily, financially, you know, we're, we're actually in a, a food shortage right now. It doesn't really maybe seem like it to us this side of the world, but we're in a very severe food shortage and it's going to get worse. Um, you got all kinds of businesses that are starting to sell stuff really cheap and close. Kohl's is probably going to be gone soon. My wife is getting all kinds of deals at Kohl's right now. <laughs> There's a lot of stores, seriously. And it's because of things that are going on in the world. You know, these things are going to occur. But will the fall of Babylon hurt you? We will only be hurt to the extent that we invest our lives in the mentality of 
commercial Babylon's materialism and worldliness. Uh, 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 other words, what we invest in this world, we're, on, we're only going to be bothered that much by it. If our lives, if we identify solely with this world system and everything that the world system has to offer, where it's like, oh, man, I'm a, I'm a diehard Niner fan and I bleed red and, you know, that whole gambit. It's like, well, when the Niners don't go to the Super Bowl and you keep picking bunk quarterbacks, what happens? You just... You're all bummed out. You're all stressed out. It's like, I'm not that dude. It's not that deep to me. I miss all kind of NFL games because I'm not missing church. <laughs> it's not that deep. I, I like the Niners. I want them to do well, but I'm not vested like that. You know, my, 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 my livelihood doesn't depend on what the 49ers do and don't do. And, that, and that's, what, that's, what I, that's what the scripture is saying here. It's like, we're only going to be affected by the fall of Babylon by the extent of what we invest in it. And it's like, I know we have to live. I'm not saying go live without electricity and go in a hut somewhere in the mountains. I'm not saying become a monk. But what I'm saying is we don't need to be so wrapped up in the world that we're affected by the things that happen to it. Amen. We're foreigners here. This is not our home. We're passerbyers. Enjoy life. Enjoy uh, certain amenities and things that this world has to offer. So be it as they're holy and sanctified and you're not compromising your integrity and in the word of God to enjoy them. Amen. Because there's nothing wrong with having things. There's not, nothing wrong with utilizing things. But it's when those things are corrupting us that it becomes an issue. All right. Next two verses, 22 and 23. And it says, and the sound of the harpists and musicians of, uh, of flute players and trumpeteers will be heard no more, uh, in you no more, excuse me, and a craftsman of any craft will be found in you no more, and the sound of the mill will be heard in you no more, and the light of a lamp will shine in you no more, and the voice of, the, of bridegroom and bride will be heard in you no more. For you, excuse me, for your merchants were the great ones of the earth and all nations were deceived by your sorcery. Okay, so we have this, and it is, this is a very, it's a very, uh, it's a very in-depth statement, if you will. It's graphic, it's poetic in language. Here, John describes how the industry, the industries of the world, and the commerce of Babylon will come to an end. And I just dug this up for you guys because I thought this, these were some fun facts. I, I, I think it really puts it in perspective. But in 2021, the total revenue for the recording music industry amounted to 28.8 billion U.S. dollars. Global streaming revenues, because, you know, we're not much, we're not big on CDs no more. For those of you that had 45 records, 12-inch vinyl records, we don't do that, cassette tapes. It's all streaming, right? And youngsters, young people, younger generations, all about downloading apps, all that. Global streaming revenues reached... 18.5 billion U.S. dollars last year. Overall, the recording music industry increased by 24.7%, representing the biggest increase in recent years. That was last year, the fiscal year, last year, 2021. But this is what you need to take heart to and notice. You know what? The majority of that music was demonically influenced. Satanic spirits are moving over and in many instances possessing some of these artists and they're putting out material that's satanic. The nature of what they say, it's unclean, it's unnatural, it's not right. But you've got millions of people 
following this stuff, loving it, engaging in this type of lifestyle, and it's not good. Total entertainment in the United States for last year. The entertainment industry, home and mobile marketing, consisting of digital and physical discs and theater movies, right? Movies, going to the movies, totaled 36.8 billion U.S. dollars last year. Last year. A year-over-year increase of 14% and a figure even surpassing the record of $36.1 billion in 2019. And guess what? The majority of these movies were influenced likewise by demonic spirits. Unclean spirits where sensuality and all kind of other lewd, crude things are being emphasized and exposed in these movies. Now, I'm not saying every single movie is bad. And I'm not saying every single uh, form of music is bad. But what I'm saying is we need to have enough sense in the Holy Spirit and enough discernment to be able to see this is not clean. I'm not going to engage in that. I'm going to edify myself because you are either going to be built up by the things you allow in your mind, in your senses that you hear, or you're going to be torn down and destroyed by these things. And this is what happens. Do you see how much Satan uses entertainment to slowly try to creep into our thinking? This is what he does. This is what he does so great in America, in our culture. It's not the same in places like Africa or China where it's a lockdown or they just don't have the means from entertainment. But us, man, we get entertained any which way you want. However you want it, you can get it. And that's what I'm saying. We got to have enough discernment to be like, okay, I'm going to have to, you know, I'm going to have to do that. You know, for a little bit of time, I was, I was kind of embarrassed when we have guests come over and you know, watching a football game or something and then the commercial come on, I put the guide on. But I got over that quick because it's like, you know what, this is my home, this is a kingdom home. And no, I'm not having that crap surging through the television screen so I can go to the restroom or go to the kitchen and then my kids could just see all kind of stuff. Because there's times where I didn't put the guide on and, and junk did come on. And they're like, ah, what is it? You know, we train them from a young age. <laughs> no, 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 that's bad. And, you know, tears would be like, this is not good. Kayla's be like, it's not good. You know, there's been times where we've had to literally pray for them and pray that these unclean images get out of their minds and it not saturate them because they got pierced by some stuff that they shouldn't have been seeing. Because they have these horrible, uh, you know, whatever, scary movie commercials. They come on in the middle of the day now. They don't just come on at 11 o'clock at night. They, they want to get these kids. So they're going to put them on at 3, 4 in the afternoon. Sunday, you know, 1.30 football game. All of a sudden, you're like, what? Or 5 o'clock, you know what I mean? Sunday night football. You're like, dude, it's like 6 o'clock. You know, you, they know families are watching the, the tube. <laughs> Let's just slip that in there real quick. Let's try to pierce somebody. And it, but it's real. This is that satanic influence of Babylon, this Babylon world system. But the word of God is clear. Babylon, famous for its music for its musicians will not hear the sound of music anymore. The entertainment industry will not make its untold billions forever, nor will craftsmen execute their trade forever. We can see the extent and completeness of the fall of Babylon in the destruction of the entertainment industry, skilled workers, and even in the grinding of grain. And again, once again, the fact that food is not like it used to be. 
all of these industries are going to come to a screeching halt in sometime in the future. Next, we see also the glittering lights will not shine in Babylon anymore, nor will people celebrate weddings. Matthew chapter 24, verse 38 tells us, For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. And this is the same thing that's going to happen. It's, it's again, um, Daniel alluded to it uh, last time he taught the um, book of Ecclesiastes. There's nothing new under the sun. Things tend to repeat themselves. And once again, people are going, going to be going about life as if everything is peachy keen. And then destruction is going to hit this world when this world least expects it. Everyone will be going about life like normal. But this world will be flipped on its head in an instant. The reasons for the judgment of Babylon are that one, Babylon has deceived the nations by sorcery. And two, the martyrdom of the saints. In the tribulation, businessmen are the great men of the earth. I say this because, you see, wealth impresses many people today. Just like in days of old, just as the days of, of kings and kingdoms, it was those with wealth that had influence, right? Because it carries so much influence in the world. If you possess wealth if you possess worldly wealth, you possess worldly power. You possess worldly influence. And many with this wealth, they abuse the power that's been given to them. Uh, we're praying, and you know, Daniel had brought up, you know, again, you know, the Lord puts, he puts people into place. It's not the people, right? We get it twisted and we say, oh, I did it. No, you didn't. The Lord allowed you to come into a place of influence and power. But many people abuse their, their place of influence and power in this life. This was precisely one of the things that Satan tempted Jesus Christ with in the wilderness. Matthew chapter 4, verses 8 through 10, it says, Again, the devil took him, speaking of Jesus Christ, to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these I will give to you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him alone shall you serve. You see, Satan tried to tempt Jesus Christ with the things of this world, with the wealth, with the monetary things of this world. He tried to, he tried to get him. He tried to he tried to he tried him to get hook, line, and sinker, but Jesus wouldn't fall for the bait because he knows. He's like, no, I came for a specific purpose. I need to lay my life down. I don't need to receive this in this way because it's polluted, it's corrupt, it's not the right way. The Greek word word, excuse me, for sorcery is pharmakia, which you guys are sensible people, you understand. This is where we get our English word pharmacy. You see, shady businessmen have deceived great numbers of people by sorcery. In the first century, people used drugs to deceive others. These business people evidently traffic in demonism and the occult with this, with this drug usage. And this is not something new. Again, there's nothing new under the sun. We see it all over today. What's, what's the big thing right now in the streets in our world that's going crazy in the, in the drug scene? It's fentanyl, right? 
It's fentanyl. It's this synthetic fake heroin and people are popping it, shooting it up, and it's just killing people. It's destroying cats. You don't need to take much and you're just through the roof, you're done. It's like something that you've never seen before, but it is, it is, uh, it is, it is worse than COVID. I mean, it's, it's that bad. And you have millions of people strung out on this stuff. You see, the lure of commercial Babylon is like a drug addiction fed by deceptive advertising. And this is how Satan lures people in. There is no excuse for the people of the earth because they have been warned. The Lord has expressed how he will either bless or curse mankind. He's, he's, he's made it clear to us. But are we choosing to listen? And he's used his chosen people, the children of Israel, as a great example. And I love this portion of scripture. I'm going to read it because I think it's very poignant for where we're at in our text this morning. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 5, 15, excuse me, down through 20. And it says, See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you today, by loving the Lord your God, by walking in his ways, and by keeping his commandments and his statutes and his rules, then you shall live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. But if your heart turns away, and you will not hear, but are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not live long in the land that you are going over the Jordan to enter and possess. I shall call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice and holding fast to him. For he is your life and length of days that you may dwell in the land that the Lord swore your, to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to give to them. This is, this is very important for our day and age. The application is this. We have to understand covenant, right? God is a covenant God. Under the terms of the old covenant, Isaac, uh, excuse me, Israel had a choice. They had a choice to choose life or death, good or evil. It was up to them. You see, God was going to glorify himself through Israel one way or another. Whether through blessing or cursing, the world was going to recognize that he is the God, Lord Almighty. There's no doubt about that. How it would come about, though, was really up to them. It was their choice. Under the terms of the old covenant, Israel, if they were obedient, would see blessing. If disobedient, then Israel would surely perish. It was up to them based on their conduct. What were they going to choose? The same is true for us today as followers of Jesus Christ. The same is also true for anyone who's caught up in the Babylonian world system. Because once again, you see, God is a covenant God. And it is essential for us to understand that we in Jesus Christ do not relate to God in the terms of the old covenant, but in terms of a better covenant, the new covenant. Under this new covenant, this new agreement, this new promise, our relationship with God is not based on what we do for God, but on what Jesus Christ has done for us. Amen. There is, of course, more to this new covenant than this, but this is 
one very crucial dis- distinction between the two. And we must always understand we come because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. We can't muster our way up to God. That's what philosophy is. Philosophy is mankind trying to understand their place with God while revelation is God revealing himself to mankind. I'd rather roll with revelation all day. Philosophy, we see what happens to philosophers. They don't even know what's going on. They can't tell you. But the revelation of God can tell you clearly what has happened, what is happening now, and what will happen in the future. Amen? Think of it this way. If the old covenant is inferior to the new, and if there was a high price to pay for rejecting the old covenant, should we not think that there is an even greater penalty for rejecting even a greater covenant? Hebrews chapter 10 verses 28 down through 29 tells us, anyone who has set aside the law of Moses died without mercy on the evidence of two or three witnesses. How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has outraged the spirit of grace. You see, every person today is confronted with this choice. No matter who you are, no matter how old you are, no matter where you live, no matter what you believe, we're all confronted with this choice. But the choice focuses first not on will I obey God or not? See, a lot of times we get caught up in that. Will I obey God or not? But it really lands on, will I trust in Jesus for my standing before God? We were, I were talking to Kalos about this the other day. When you die and go to heaven, what are going to be your words? Is it going to be, well, I did this, or I did that, or I attended here, or I read that, or I did this? Again, it's all I. Or is it going to be because he because of what Jesus did. Why should I be accepted into heaven? Why, can I, why do I have access to you? It's because of what your son has done for me. Jesus said in Luke chapter 11, verse 23, He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters. Jesus is still asking this question. Who do you say that I am? And our choice in answering that question will determine our eternal destiny. To love and trust God means to obey his voice. For a child who really loves and trusts their parents, they obey them. It means to cling to God. If we really love and trust God, we will be attached to him. This means to regard him as our life and our length of days. That's what I love in in that verse. It says that he is our life. What, who is your life? What does your life consist of today? Is your life wrapped up in Jesus Christ? You see, if our life is wrapped up in many other things other than him, then I dare say that he is not our God. But if our identity, our life, our thinking is all, is all filtered through the person of Jesus Christ, then he is our God and he is our portion. Amen? Because we love and trust him. All right, last verse, verse 24. And it says, and in, in, in her, speaking of Babylon, in her was found the blood of the prophets and of the saints and of all who have been slain on earth. Okay, so we see this statement, the blood of prophets and saints and of those who were slain on the earth. Uh, the extent of this charge is an indication that this great city is symbolic of, again, the world system. This is telling us that this is, this is just the world all those who oppose Christ. Because the reality is there's no one literal city 
that could slay all of the saints of the world. It's the system. It's the mentality. They have, uh, you know, arms together, whatever you want to call it, secret society, all these different things. They're influenced by a satanic spirit. And the satanic spirit has one goal, to try to annihilate, annihilate God's people here on the earth. They, they cannot take... Satan cannot take your salvation from you. You're, you're saved in him, but Satan wants to render you and I ineffective while we're here on this earth. And, you know, many times when you're really effective, if, you know, it's the Lord's, if the Lord allows us, Satan will just, you know, he'll try to take you out. That's the worst that can happen is your life will be taken. And that's what a martyr is. It's because they're living for God and Satan hates it. So he wants to see people gone from this earth. Again, in her was found the blood of the prophets and saints. God takes the persecution of his people as a personal offense. Those who attack his people are really attacking him. This sounds familiar, right? Remember Saul? <laughs> Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Why are you persecuting me? You know, what he experienced on the Damascus Road. But there's one big difference between Saul and those who love this Babylonian world system. You see, because Saul, he responded to the call on his life. He answered. He repented. He got right with God. He was used in a mighty way. These others who are walking away from God and care nothing for the things of God, they hate the things of God. They won't repent. They won't repent. And you see, it's not that the Lord never calls Babylon to repent. Quite the contrary. He constantly called them to repent by sending his prophets and saints to tell them but instead of heeding the warning sent to them, they simply just killed him. That's like Stephen, the first martyr. He's like, hey, man. And even, even though they were representing Israel, they had a misled understanding of who the Messiah was. So it was actually a satanic spirit, the spirit that they were following. And Stephen tried to tell them and they just killed him. And that's what we see this pattern over and over and over again. God's trying to tell Babylon. You look at all that, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the everyone, <laughs> all the ites. God was extending his love to them and saying, all you have to do is repent, get away from these false gods, stop doing all this stuff that's wrong, and you can be absorbed back into me. But they said, no, we want to worship our false gods. We want to do it our way. And so God said, okay, <laughs> but they hand you over and you're going to perish. You see, Babylon murdered both prophets and saints in her hunger for power. This reveals, excuse me, the true nature of, of this international government, governmental system and religious system. History records tens of thousands of people killed just by religion alone, corrupt religion. You see, religion is a counterfeit gospel. God finally will expose the counterfeit for what it is and destroy it. As uh, Michelle and Isaiah come up, may we be those who Heed God's warnings, the warnings that God is sending to us. May we take heed to it. May we take it serious. May we be those who insulate ourselves with righteousness. That's daily having time, communing with the Lord, carving out time to get in his word, right? Because if you know you're going into an environment that's hostile, say you work at a place that's super secular, or you go into a school that's super secular, or you're going into wherever, into the community, you know you're going to experience things. You better go into that situation prayed up. You got to take preparation. I got to prepare myself so that I'm ready for the battle, not just loosey-goosey and just you don't even care. And then you wonder why you're getting knocked up all around, right? We need to insulate ourselves with righteousness through the power of the Holy Spirit. 
May we reach out to this dying world around us and point people to Jesus Christ. Today, may the Lord's favor shine upon you. May it shine upon me. May his favor rest upon us. May we walk in the newness of life, obeying all that is found in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? Let's pray. Uh, Father God, just thank you that, Lord, you, you love us so much, Lord, that you would, you would have your word penned, Lord, that we would be able to glean from it. Lord, this is the roadmap for our lives. There's no other book that holds all the untold truths of what we are to experience other than your holy scripture. May your word be the ultimate authority in our lives. May it govern us because it's either your word or this Babylonian one world system. It's the, it's the struggle that we go through. We have to choose life or death. Today, may we choose life, Lord God. May we choose life abundantly in you. May you just put a desire in our hearts to want to live for you. May we forsake our ways. May we look to you for all of our hope. May you, may you start a revival within us. May we reach people in our families, in our communities, in this greater world around us for your glory. It's all about your kingdom and your name for you reign on high. It's in Jesus Christ's name that I pray.